0: So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy today's guest. Success is a process, not an event. Hello and welcome to Fire in the Belly. Today we have myself, Mighty Pete, and we're joined by the Anna Levin from all the way from the United States. So good afternoon, or yes, good afternoon for you, I believe.
1: Yes, it's good afternoon. Thanks for having me,
0: Pete. (laughs) Listen, thank you so much for coming on. So, uh. Oh, Anna's, and I love Anna's website. We've been sort of studying that. So it's, um, you know, there's, there's so much there and you describe yourself as a, an energy aligner, heart activator and a brand translator there that, the sort of the headlines. What intriguing yes, it's, uh, it's a title.
1: Interesting, right? It's a nice combo. I, I don't like to settle for one thing, Pete, because, you know, this is a yummy life. So I figure let's embrace all of my gifts and so yes, um, I do translations of books and audiobooks, uh, but I also do energy alignments. Um, and it's my newfound calling per se and gift. Mm. So in the past seven years, basically.
0: <laughs> and you say and described as a gift, that's that's a lovely rich word.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. And actually, I, I actually mean the word gift specifically because it's not something that I searched for or that I even desired to do. Um, it's something that continued to knock on my door. Um, and I believe now looking back, um, you know, I, I was in training my whole life. I, I came in this way. and um, But in the past seven years, it has been a little bit stronger, the calling and, and, um, and more awareness on my part and consciousness, right? And, and realizing like, hmm, this is something that I am being offered, you know? And it's, it doesn't quite, at the same time that it's being offered to me, it doesn't quite need my permission either. Mm. And that's an interesting space to be in when what wants to flow through you it doesn't need your permission and yet you feel like you, you are in control. Well, um, I, had, I hate to say it. I hate to say this publicly, but I'm not in control many times, most of the times. And I'm learning to not be in control and be okay with not being in control.
0: That's because that, that's going to, some people are going to struggle with that, right? You know, it's just, well, one, control in itself and two, you know, things going on that maybe are, are outside of your control or even your awareness. I'm mm-hmm. being okay with that.
1: Yes, yes. It has been such a learning curve because, so I was born, and let me take you back a little bit so you understand Please. the journey. I was born a feeler. I, am, I, I can feel, I can feel nature, I can feel people, animals. Uh, there is a, a hypersensitivity to me that I was aware of from a young age.
0: Do you, do you see, what are you feeling? Is that energy or what? what is it and can you see it as well?
1: I can feel emotions. I can feel what something is trying to communicate. Um, yes. I can feel what something or somebody needs. Um, I can feel what they feel. All of that. And, and again, usually it's, it's tricky, right? I, I appreciate the questions because it's so tricky sometimes for myself to put it into words because I am a feeler. It's a sensation. It's a right. It's a knowing. Um, so it's, it's, it's okay. It's good. The The questions are great. Um, so, you know, I believe at least for myself, I'm sure many other people are the same way, or they have like a similar desire to want to understand yourself, to want to, uh, fit in and be like others. And when you don't find those reference points, um, growing up for myself, I kind of like felt like a, I, I don't know why I want to say like a fish out of pond. I don't know if that's the English phrase, but that's what yeah, fresh right. out of water. yep. there you go. <laughs> fish out of water. And, and you know you, you want to belong. you want to be loved. you want to be accepted. you want to be part of the clan, right? part of the family. If my whole family is not like that or is not exhibiting you know this um, extrasensory abilities, oh my gosh, then I'm different. I don't want to be different. And so it's been an internal struggle and I refuge myself in my mind for many, many years. And I went on to get degrees and, and, you know, value my career uh, above, above my innate capacity to feel until seven years ago when I was completely exhausted and I felt so out of touch with my soul that I said, hold up one second, what am I doing? It was literally a moment in my kitchen sink. <laughs> this is not very <laughs> romantic or elegant, <laughs> you know, washing my hands and almost like my soul talking to me, looking at myself, washing my hands in the sink and saying, what are you doing? What, you're great at surviving, but what is living like? What is truly living like? I mean, I will never forget that moment. That moment shook me in the most deepest, intimate part of myself. And I was able to hold on to my soul that I felt I was drifting away from. Because I was in this like busy life, doing, achieving. Let's get my bachelor's degree. Let's get my master's degree. Okay, and then becoming depressed because after I finished my my master's degree, I became depressed. Why? Because I felt inside of me that this was not the path. You know, there is a knowing that we have, there's an intuition that we all have. And when we dare to listen to it, then I believe is when we can actually live the life, the, the, the highest potential life that we can live. And for me, it was that moment, a couple of years after I finished the master's degree and I was depressed. I went to my parents' house in uh, in Spain for a month, I, I, a month and a half, I think. I, I you know told them the kids and I are coming because I was a high school teacher, so I had summers off. I'm like, I, I just need you to be with you guys and just be away from everything and just think because Imagine the effort, being a high school teacher, getting a master's degree while I'm raising the kids, sports, blah, 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 you know, studying at four in the morning. It was an effort, a huge physical and intellectual effort, all of that to finish and say, wow, this is not it. This is not what my soul is seeking. I better start learning how to listen because I am not listening very well. All that to say, of course, I don't, I value my education. I am happy that I pursued my degrees and everything that I did. But at that moment, when I dare to ask myself, what is living like? That's what completely turned the trajectory of my life for the better. So, yes.
0: Do you know where that, do you know where that void Came from?
1: I truly believe that it was me ignoring me. <laughs> it was me not listening to my voice, my the soul, my the voice of my soul, the voice of my heart, not valuing, you know, hmm. my gift. I wanted to be, I wanted to be recognized. I wanted I, I looked at society. And I see all these people getting accolades because they have degrees, they have careers, they're homeowners, they, they, they have cars and, and they can travel and they can take their kids on vacations, et cetera, et cetera. And nothing wrong with that. As a matter of fact, I love that myself. Okay, so I'm not saying that. I'm saying for myself, I was looking at the outside instead of looking at the God-given gift that I have within me, which is innately in me, since I was born, since I, w- I was created. Hmm. And that's what made me feel, you know, depressed or sad or empty.
0: Do you, do you remember a time pre, you know, and you, we talk about that gap or that void that, that that's a creation of two, you know, your true self and and yourself, if you like, you know, and, and I'm assuming at some point they, they split and separated. I mean, do you know, I mean, do you remember a time when you really felt yourself, you know, and, and, you know, who you truly were. And then yes. was there a, a split through time?
1: Yes, I, and I do believe that they, you know, interwined with each other. It's not like I was never myself ever again, but hmm. there were glimpses of me. And that was when I was in nature. That was when I was singing. That was when I was seven and I taught myself how to play the guitar. That was um, later on when I became a teacher. When I was teaching um, the pre-K three kids, it was my first time ever teaching, and I would take them to the chapel and, and teach them how to pray, how to actually talk to God, not asking for something, but like just communing with with God. And those are the moments where I saw my my heart is my gift, you know, and I even get emotional saying it because you know, it, I think it's the sadness of running away from who we are that now I have turned into my, my life passion, my mission to help others, to trust in the power of their hearts, to, to get aligned within themselves with who they are and live a life from that place, empowered from that place. So, yes, there were many, many times raising my children, um, listening to a friend if they're going to through something um you know there, there are many times where i i was in in my in my own yeah in my gift and then life continued right and i would just go back and do what i what i had what i did right so which is fine it's it's all okay i don't i don't refrain from it i i take uh i take um i take the blessings that come from experience you know so
0: that's beautiful I, I like that take, take us back briefly I mean what what was a, a small young young Anna like what were we looking at
1: <laughs> it's interesting because my mother uh, left when I was very little and so I grew up without my mom close by even though in my heart I always felt like she loved me I never felt like she didn't love me but I was pretty sad because kid, you don't understand why your mom leaves. Um, And I had the good fortune of having a stepmom who was great. And, you know, my dad who provided amazingly as well, and two, two wonderful brothers. Um, But I believe the story I crafted when I was little is I'm unlovable, because I'm not worthy of staying like, you know, my mom decided to leave instead of staying with me. Therefore, I must be unlovable. So, I, you know, there was a lot of sadness that I continue to work through, um, you know, even in my adult life, uh, because it, it just truly gets ingrained into us and it bleeds into um, all of our experience in life and all our reality and decisions that we make. So I'm, I'm super interested now as an adult to look, look at those places of little Anna that need healing or need reintegration or need uh, forgiveness or whatever it is. I do know because of the work that I do that we are whole. We are never, you know, missing anything or empty. I mean, it's, it's, we're intact, you know? It's, it's because our emotional state, maybe our mental state or our energetic state is distorted. But once we can realign that, we're good to go that's why we hear so many people nowadays saying like oh i hate calling myself a healer that's why i don't call myself a healer that's like a little bit presumptuous in my in my opinion because that's not what i feel i do what i do is help people just like i'm helping myself get their energy aligned so that they can actually feel better you know be happier feel know that they are loved they're lovable at any given moment, despite of the experience that we went through here on, you know, as a human being. So, yeah, Anna was always a very sensitive, um, kind of shy, believe it or not, even though I can talk, (laughs) kind of shy, um, kind of quiet also. I like like the introspection of the quiet uh, moment just looking at things or even playing by myself. I was great at playing by myself, making up roles. You know, I remember having like a, a cashier that I made out of a shoebox, <laughs> you know, and just pretending I was the cashier um, or playing teacher, which then it's funny because then I became a teacher. So I would, you know, give my all my classmates uh, grades or recommendations of what to do. It was so funny. So I was very okay with being by myself as well. So...
0: So what's your earliest conscious memory?
1: Wow. <laughs> as early as uh, two or three years old. Um, hmm. And and yeah, uh, unfortunately, I mean, I remember happy memories like playing with my brother. Um, I remember seeing my mother uh, perform in theater. She was, a, she was a singer. She was very young. My mom had me at 20 and my my, my brother at 19. And she was a singer and she did theater and she did jingles on the radio you know and and so um I remember saying like being city, being in the theater you're telling everybody that's my mom that's my mom on the stage you know and then shortly after uh, that's when she left like a few years after that or a year after that um but I do remember that but I also remember my father leaving the apartment when they got divorced you know I was three and begging him to stay I was always and here we go back again to your initial initial question I was born a feeler and I was able to feel what the adults were feeling I also was born with a tremendous divine strength and I always thought like I can do it I can fix this I can, I can love these people and just keep them together. I can do this. Just give me a chance. Like, I'm going to show you, you know, that kind of, that kind of spirit. And so when he left, of course it was devastating, you know, and he's like, don't worry. I love you. I'm going to see you again. And he was just packing his bag and, you know, and then he left. So I do have a lot of, I have very good memory. Um, And of course, like everybody else, there's there are, portions that I have blocked because of you know it was emotional and and all that um that I have discovered later on but I have both you know both sad and happy memories.
0: <laughs> I'm interested because the, the language is stuff you use that you know with you as you, you were saying with your gift that excuse me you could almost show them and I'm just wondering that's very like teaching isn't it really it's sort of you know just you could give them the right audience you could teach them or you could show them what they needed to say.
1: Yes, yes. I, and I, I myself, I'm learning how to, again, you know, put it into words that which I do naturally. And I think it's, it's similar to many, many people. We're in, living in beautiful times of realizing that we outgrew some of our jobs and we have to start really thinking what living is like. How do I actually live life? And how do I integrate instead of just working for a paycheck and, and getting to my old age and sp- Seeing that I lived a life that was not really aligned with my higher self or my heart, right? Or my passion. How do I actually integrate all of it and do actually understand and believe that I can be abundant in all areas of my life? And that's, that's the place where I'm at. And I, and a lot of my friends are in, this, in the same uh, place. You know, it's really exciting times to ask mm. those questions.
0: What well, what was the plan then? What was what was young Anna going to do when she grew up? Were you, were you straight into the teaching, or had you other plans?
1: I never wanted to be a teacher, ever. I mean, I play teacher, but I originally I wanted to be a veterinarian mm-hmm. because but big course, animals or
0: small animals,
1: all of them. Okay, I mean. I love insects and uh, animals, small animals, big animals, farms, animals, African animals. <laughs> I, just, I love nature and animals. But my stepmom said she was wise. She said, I don't really see you like doing surgery on animals. I don't think you have the heart to do that. And I'm like, you know, she might be right. I might be like, you know, crying with the animal or something. I don't know. So I didn't pursue that. Um, I went into translation. And I studied translation. And, and then I moved to the United States uh, right before I finished my, my degree because I wanted to meet my mom and, and be with my mom and have a relationship with her because she was here in the United States. So that was the next step in my, in my healing and evolution in my journey, you know.
0: What, what animal did you resonate most with then as a, as a potential vet?
1: Well, the first one that comes to mind when you ask me that is is the lion. <laughs> I love lions. I love cats. Mm. I love lions and cheetahs and pumas and tigers. I just do you know I why? Know, maybe because I'm a Leo. <laughs> I don't know.
0: Yeah, that kind of gives. Yeah. I
1: mean, I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but I I love cats. What love what cats. is it
0: about them? What qualities do you like?
1: I like that they're like they're chill, you know. But then they take action when they have to. Mm. Uh, but they also can be playful. They are, they're sweet and they can snuggle. Because even lions, I mean, you you see them doing stuff like that. Um, obviously, they are in packs, and I like that. Um, yeah, I just love I love cats.
0: <laughs> well, that makes sense. Just wondering. Yeah, so it's it's, it's amazing, and even the. <laughs> Even the sort of love language you use with that, it obviously shows you, it resonates with you. That's gorgeous.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: So you ended up being a teacher.
1: (laughs) I ended up being a teacher. You know what? That was not a, no, okay. It was a gift. I was about to say, that was not a gift. No, that was a gift. Um, Mm. It wasn't a calling. It was more of a directive. (laughs) Like kid you not. Okay. So here's the story. We were in Texas and I started working in the church, in the nursery, my kids were little and I always loved kids and babies and stuff like that. And I'm like, why not? Let's, let's just work at the nursery every Sunday. To me, it was nicer than just being, you know, in the, in the congregation. Um, so, um, the director there at the church, she saw me for a few months and she saw like my ability with the kids and, and my leadership and they were having a uh, opening in the Mother's Day program. And she says, I would love for you to teach the pre-K-3. I'm like, oh, no, 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 I'm not a teacher. I'm, I'm a translator, you know, like you got it wrong. I'm just, you know, I don't do that. She's like, oh, no, you would be great. You should do this. And then I'm thinking, okay, well, it would make sense. You know, my kids are coming here anyway. i um, you know, we can all come here. My, my daughter was 18 months, 17 months, and my son was barely three. So I'm like, you know what? It makes sense. I mean, why not? Let's just, and then I'll continue. Cause I never finished my bachelor's at that point. I needed to, I needed a couple more years because when I moved to the United States, long story short, I started from scratch because they, they didn't take my three years of university in Argentina which is what happens. And it's horrible. So if you can only imagine at 21 with algebra again, ah. (laughs) but I did it and I did all my GE and then some. And so I only needed like a couple of years. Well, I decided to say yes to this pre K three position. I said, you know what? It's one year I'm going to do it and I'm going to see what happens. I'm sure the other teachers are going to help me, which they did. And after the, the one year, The director says to me, I really think you need to go and finish your bachelor's degree. And I'm like, yeah, I think you're right. I I mean, I really want to finish something because I started two degrees and now I didn't finish any of them. And I'm like, yeah, she's right. And as I'm exiting the, 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 the church, I'm in the hallway waiting for the kids to come. And I hear in my head this voice that says, You need to go teach. And I say to the voice, I am not a teacher. (laughs) I don't want to teach. You need to become a teacher. I'm like, oh man, you know, because this is the, I have a a relationship with the divine and this is how I know that that's what it was. That's the voice that is talking to me. And I'm like, oh, you have to be kidding. (laughs) So I said, okay, okay, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to say yes, because I by now know that when God leads me somewhere, I, there is a reason, okay? And I don't have to understand it. So there I went. And uh, I without without really having the money for it, uh, with living 45 minutes away from it, with being in a, in a not-so-healthy marriage, uh, with having a teenage stepdaughter who was going through her own stuff, and with having these two babies, with all of that, I was able to actually enroll in the University of Texas at San Marcos and go finish my bachelor's degree. And this is such a prime example of what happens when we say yes, and we aligned with that inner voice, whatever we want to call it, with our hearts, not with our minds, because my mind didn't get it. My mind was fighting it. My mind was seeking, well, That's not what I'm after. That's not what I like. But in my heart, I know what I heard. I know what it felt like. I know the certainty, you know, that voice when there's is an undeniable truth. That's the voice that spoke to me. So the rest, you know, I had to, again, learn to be quiet, learn to receive. This is what's being given to me. And and the, all the right people just fell into place. I mean, the, the church helped me with the kids the next year by allowing them to come to the Mother's Day their, their program for free. Um, I had friends that would, they were like picking them up if I was late or, I, I mean, it, and I would run to class because I was 45 minutes away from it. You know, I lived in the country and I would drive to class and I couldn't wait, wait for the tram to come around because it would take me too long. And the teachers don't, the professors didn't care if you have kids or don't have kids, you live far away. So I would just like literally run in the Texan weather and be drenched in, I'm, I'm here, I'm in class, you know? It was, it, it, now I laugh about it. It, it, was, it was crazy, but I'm so glad I did because it's, it just takes me to where I'm now, which is gonna take me to where I'm going, you know, in the future. And I don't re- even remember the original question that you asked me, but that, that was a heck of a ride for me. It was, it was a great example of what happens in my life when I allow my mind to relax and be okay with not knowing, be okay with not understanding, and yet having the courage to actually move forward with what I know without a doubt that I heard.
0: You talk about the voice and the divine and and that being God. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm assuming that that is what you refer to. What was what's the earliest memory you have of of hearing the voice? And, and, you know, do you recognize the voice or is it just an inner voice?
1: I do recognize the voice. Um, It's in my heart to me. God is like is in my is in my heart and it's a it's a whisper, but yet. It's a firm whisper. That's the best way I can put it. <laughs> that's what it sounds like to mm. me. So I know that it's not me because mine is the one that is all like, la, la, la. you know, <laughs> it's all nervous. It's all like, I need to know. And that's not what this voice sounds like. But, you know, it's a good question that you're asking me. I believe that as I, as I grew older and as I, as I continue to grow older, um, I am able to discern the voice way better. But I believe that it was always talking to me, you know, in, in different ways, you know, through nature, um, through people, through animals, through music, through art, all the things where we see actually the hand of God, right, creation, and just being in awe and getting that feeling. So perhaps it wasn't the voice that we're talking about, but it was more like a, like a sensation, right? Like a, like a, something that opens my heart and it's like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. I feel that, you know? I remember being in uh, tri- road trips a lot with my family and would, I would always sit behind my father. Um, I don't know. I always like to sit behind him in, in road trips with on the window. And I would just look at the mountains or look at the, the flat lands in Argentina. You know, I'm from Argentina. And after a while, my, my dad was like, would say, "Anna, you're still there. Are you OK? Because I was so quiet. I was just summoned by nature. And I was just so content being lost in nature, doing nothing, just looking at it and just absorbing its energy. So that to me is God.
0: Well, I mean, what, what is your what's your go to place? I mean, if you know, a place of. If something was going on in your life or whatever, that, that you feel most grounded, is there a particular place?
1: Yeah, you mean like in my head or in...
0: <laughs> well, in, in physical, I suppose, more in the, in the physical location and such.
1: In physical location. Well, right now I have the good fortune of living by the beach. So the ocean is just amazing, amazing. But um, I like trees. I love trees. Yes, trees just ground me. Um, just love trees my whole life. The best compliment I have ever received was uh, one of my girlfriends said, "Anna, when I think of you, I picture you hugging a tree." And I'm like, "That's the best thing you could have ever said to me." <laughs> I was gonna
0: say, "Are you a hugger? Do you hug a tree?"
1: I do. <laughs> I do occasionally hug a tree.
0: <laughs> give give us. I mean, what what is the best way to hug a tree? Like I, I do, I've never done it, and I and I'm and I'm listen. I'm always open to learning and and seeing. What, where's the connection? Talk to us.
1: There, there is no wrong to, I like to put my hands on the trunk and just feel like just feel the energy that comes from the tree. But you know what's interesting because I do work with energy and now I have a, a better understanding of it is that we can actually meditate and visualize and feel the same thing. We can, we can still do it through our mind. Um, so of course, it's nice to use our human body and, and have the sensation in our hands and just but if you're not close to it or if it's a rainy day or whatever it is, you can still do some of this, you know, activities in your mind just by visualizing them.
0: So how, how, was, how was teaching then? How did that go for you? She, you had the calling, you had the voice and you went and you, you were obedient, you he yes. went forward. Talk to us about that.
1: So then, what happened after that? One one year, I went back to school. Then we moved closer to another town, and um, I grew up in private school, Catholic school. And I found a really nice school that I that I wanted my kids to also go to. And and I I said to myself, if I were to teach, then. I would wanna teach in a private school because that's what I'm used to. I like to strive for excellence, um, but I also like to take into consideration the kids as a whole, right? Not just the subject. And I knew that that was the uh, emphasis with school. So I went there and I told them, look, I'm finishing. I'm a native speaker. I have, this is my background. This is, I'm enrolled in this oh, yes, we can hire you as a, as a Spanish teacher uh, as long as you are enrolled in the university and we just put it in your contract, no problem. So I ended up teaching there for two years. Well, they don't make any money in that private school. I mean, like teachers don't make like, like one third of what you would make as a, as a public high school teacher. Um, and so after a couple of years, even though it was acute, you know, it was a great, opportunity and a great experience because I taught the whole school so that's what that was fun for me to have pre-k three through eighth grade I got a you know array of different ages and different situations and just I just I love the kids so after that I said okay well I I also need to eat Um, so (laughs) you know I ended up uh, getting a job at the high school and I taught there for five years and That was also really eye opening for me um, because you see a lot of other things that you don't see in the private sector. Um, It was hard for me in the sense of, I have the utmost respect for all children and all human beings. And I don't have to agree ideologically. We don't have to have the same religion. I think that's part of also what I treasure so much about who I am. Um, and sometimes I didn't see that in the public sector. I saw kids falling through the cracks. I also saw teachers burnt out, okay? So nobody's saying, putting anybody down. I'm just merely as an, as an observer. That's what I saw. I saw adults, um, using their power in a non-compassionate way and i always made sure that the kids knew i was the authority in the room but i also made sure that they knew that i loved them and i and i accepted them one was not more important than the other for me and I always wanted to come from that place. I always said it, when my heart is not into teaching, I will leave the profession because it, it would be a dishonor to be in front of this, you know, little adults and, uh, you know, not being there for them in that manner. That's how I wanted to do it. That's how I can look back and say, I'm, I'm proud of the way I showed up, you know. But yes, it was uh, the many, many lessons by being a teacher, uh, children, ch- children will teach you uh, what resilience looks like. And they'll teach you how to accept different people. I had people with with uh, ADD, ADHD, dyslexia, Tourette syndrome, I mean, you name it, you know, and, uh, and I adjusted to them the best that I could with the regulations that were given, you know, like we're not even allowed to, you know, they have to all be sitting down. But for me, for somebody that has ADHD, they need to move. So I had some kids sometimes on the floor working. I'm like, okay, you know what, as long as you're working, you can work there on the floor. Oh, thank you, miss. And guess what? They would work. They would work in my class. So there's something in the system that we're not doing right because, and I'm not expecting I'm not, again, I want to be very gentle because I I don't want to sound like I'm uh, criticizing because the system is the system. It's not the the teacher's fault, right? It's not the administration's fault. It's it's the educational system the way it is. Um, But for me, I wanted to go that extra mile and accommodate you know, and do things a little bit out of the box, because I might have gotten in trouble if somebody, you know, walked by and like, what is your, what are your, why do you have three students on the floor, you know? Um, But I took the chance, because again, for me, in my heart, that was the right thing to do. You know, if I want them to, if I really care about all of them, and I wanted them all to learn Spanish, not just a few, the ones that are able to sit down and just pay attention, then. I had to accommodate them, you know? And sometimes I got in trouble. I got in trouble for not following accommodations, for example. Uh, And to me, again, and it comes down to what I, I do now, which is to trust in the power of your heart. The dignity of a person is more important than a grade. And unfortunately, we don't see that in this society. We want our kids to fit in. We want them to get an A, no matter what. And I had uh, a student that had a ADD and dyslexia. So, of course, you can only imagine with a foreign language, that's, that's uh, you know, challenging. But he was passing my class and I was not needing to use the accommodations that much, which for that particular case was um, oral examination. And yeah, I think it was oral examination and just uh, reading the questions to him and stuff like that. But he was passing my class without it. Well, he was taken out of my class a few months into it because his mother, who never gave me the respect of coming to talk to me, just went straight to administration and asked for him to be switched to another class where he could get an A. And I was, I was crying so much because I had an administrator come to my classroom asking me why I wasn't following the accommodations. I said, I am following them and <laughs> not but and He's also I also want to give him a chance to do the test just like everybody else. And he's getting 72, 74s. He, he's passing. And if he and I told him not to worry, because if he's not, I will gladly, you know, he can come to tutorials and we can redo it and we like not to worry about passing or not passing the class. He's gonna pass the class. Um and you know, I I told her, I said, I don't, I don't need you or or the director, anybody, the principal, I think you guys said uh, headmistress, <laughs> the headmaster, to pat me in, the, in my back. I don't need social recognition. I'm, that's not why I'm doing this. I'm not after like, oh, the best teacher, the best, you know, whatever it is, the teacher of the year. I don't care about that. I care about my student with whom I have a relationship and I'm teaching him that he's capable, you know? And so stories like that just broke my heart because I was with other adults that didn't share that. And they were more concerned about fitting in and following a system that doesn't really celebrate a human being's, you know, ability to achieve and exceed and, um, you know, learn. So later on, it's a happy ending because a few months later, his best friend, the t- the student's best friend, who was also in another one of my classes, came to me and she said, Miss, I have to tell you, such and such, the, the student, said to me that I w- you were the first teacher that treated him like a big kid. And I was like, again, I was like bawling again. I'm like, oh, it was worth it. That's all I needed. I'm like, thank you. Thank you, God, because that's all I needed. Because... It takes courage to follow your heart. You know, I needed my job. I could have gotten, I mean, I don't, I don't think I got written up because they loved me so much. I mean, bless the administration. Um, but I was going against the flow and it's uncomfortable to go against the flow. But at the end of the day, and I always say this to my kids, my, my own children, it sounds a little uh, dark, but if I were to die today, Am I okay with the way I showed up? Did I follow my heart? Did I follow my higher guidance? Did I give the best of me? Or was I a coward and I, you know, pretended that I didn't listen to that voice and I just showed up halfway? I personally, I want it to be worth it, not easy. I'm not after easy. I mean, if it's easy, that's great. Like God, please bring it, bring it on. Like easy is great, okay. But I want it to be worth it. I want my journey and my life to have mattered, not because I'm recognized internationally, like I, you know, but because people like like this student said, "Man, she made me feel good with myself." That's what I'm after.
0: Is there an element there that you were? Trying to connect back to your own self as well.
1: Yeah, you mean as as in a as in like the the profession was a mirror of to myself.
0: Mm, back to your own child, you know, because the way you mentioned the child and you, you sort of changed language states there as well. I'm just wondering, you know, was you know, and you you know, working with that student as well. Mm-hmm. It's, it's almost I just wondered if if that was potentially, yeah. I suppose, in retrospect, was that a, a yeah. conscious
1: connection, potential connection. Yeah. You know what um yeah i love this question it was not conscious at all but now that you're asking me looking at it a hundred percent i believe that it was all related um to to how i felt as a kid and and um, wanting to be seen for who i was and and wanting to show that i was capable um yeah, what a great question. What a, what a great, great question. I always said, you know, I don't want to forget how I felt as a kid, even though I had a, a sadness and loss, uh, because it allows me to actually understand others. So mm. I always made a, a note, you know, a mental note or a heart note, I should say that, no, I, I don't want to forget how I felt. I, I, you know, this is part of my journey and there's a reason and for everything. So then when I, I was put, you know, in front of children, then I could relate. And I was, I was looking to tune into each one of them, you know, as much as possible. It was a lot of them. I had like close to 150 students. So that's a lot of human beings. But, you know, I really make my, the biggest effort that I could have made to just to connect with each one of them and make them feel special and make them feel loved and, accepted yeah
0: did you blame yourself at all for your parents breaking up
1: um no actually I don't blame myself I know that that's the typical thing that happens I don't I I never blame myself Mm. no I I always felt very loved by both of them and um, never felt like I was a burden or no no not at all not at all. Thank God. No. Yeah.
0: And were you a good teacher?
1: I think I was a really good teacher. Yes, I'm going to say that. I'm actually very good at explaining grammar. Um, so um, I can, again, using my gift of I'm um, tuning into the audience, right? It's not I'm not just mm. like spitting out the curriculum. I'm tuning into the audience and I'm I'm looking for understanding and you know so that nobody falls behind and I'm asking questions and it's very interactive the way I um I teach and that's why I would make a lesson plan but then I would just leave it at my desk because for me it was like okay I have that if I need it but I need to feel where the kids are at and then that would mean for example maybe I had to slow down maybe I had to bring somebody to the board maybe I had to actually reread something maybe I had like I would just feel what was needed um yeah so yeah I I would say I'm a good teacher yes
0: that's great and and no (laughs) it's not not a trick question I promise you you know but it's good because I mean you see it straight away your big smile on your face you know and obviously it's something you, you cherish
1: Yes. I took pride. You know, I like learning. I believe that's one of my highest values actually. Um, And so I love also to see people learn and to be that catalyst. um, It's what just gives me so much joy, which is also what I am able to do now in another arena, which is the the healing arts and all that um, by, you know, channeling messages for people as I do the, the, the energy alignment and helping them understand themselves better and, you know, grow through the through the energy alignment that they just got. So I'm still me, you know, doing what I do, uh, but now in a different manner or with a different vehicle.
0: Why, why is learning one of your values?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. (laughs) Well, I feel like we're always learning. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's never there's no destination with learning. We think there is because, yeah, I got a degree, but there's not really because by the time, for example, I have a master's, there can be like a gazillion more studies after I finish my degree, and I can I have to continue studying. Same thing happens to doctors and lawyers. The laws are changing, or so, oh, I don't know what happened with my video. Oh, there you go. Um, so, yeah, you know, learning, I don't know why. I just love learning. I love learning new things. Um, I'm curious. I think that's why I like learning. I'm like a kid. I'm very curious. I can be watching a movie, for example, and I'm always asking, where are they? And, <laughs> and what happened here? We're like, I'm always very curious
0: are you an annoying person to watch a movie with
1: not if you (laughs) tell me to be quiet (laughs) i only do that at the beginning and then i get into the movies
0: (laughs) Uh, i love it that's like some people just you know through the movie they're chatting away all the time i love it you know it's it's a great way to be
1: yeah
0: does it take us on through then so teaching what happened how did it all sort of how did it develop and, and then come to an end
1: so yeah, so I started pre K3, then I taught in the private school, and then I did five years of high school. Um, I felt that between what was happening in my in my personal life mm. and then what was happening in at work and with my degree and like knowing that, that this was not the route that I was I was to take. Um That's when I realized I had to make a change because then my heart was not really in it. My heart was like taking me somewhere else. And that's really how it happened. And I started doing a coaching certification program. That's where I met my, my current husband, Danny. And that's about the time that I asked myself this question. Um, I wonder what living is like, you know, I'm I, I'm great at surviving, but I, I really have no clue what living feels like or is like. How do I reach that place of um, of living a full potential, you know, like a full life? And for that, I needed to get reacquainted with myself and get in touch with my soul again. And for that, you know, difficult decisions had to be made. And I... I one of the major ones was to get divorced. Um, I sold my house. I sold my car. I quit my job. I mean, my life completely turned upside down. And it was necessary. It was necessary to have that so many deaths, if you will, um, to be able to actually have something new be born. Because if, if, if we look at the way I was living, I was living... I was surviving right like life was a battlefield and here I am like a warrior and like just have to fight for things and, and I was exhausted like any warrior at a certain point you're like okay when is the battle over are we done yet I need a glass of water <laughs> you know and um, yeah so that's that's what happened for me I was just exhausted I was just too tired and I wanted to change uh, I wanted to to get to know myself on a on a more intimate level, on a deeper level. So I, yeah, I had to follow follow the guidance, the internal guidance, and learn to how to be again, be quiet and listen, how to receive, right, and and how to take action after I I receive the information because it's no good to just receive information, right? I, we have to actually put some action behind it, and that's how it started. It was like. 2013 when it all started
0: well that's quite it's quite something you know and, and it takes strength I suppose but also as you say it's, it's the power of listening to and, and hearing yourself you know which is hard you know yeah. yes especially there Uh, you mentioned previously obviously a little bit about you know and and I I don't want to put you in a spot I suppose this question is would you describe yourself as religious or spiritual where where do you sit on the the whole thing
1: yeah I, I grew up Catholic um very involved in church um going to church playing the guitar and singing I was a reader I would actually walk to to mass uh by myself every Sunday children's mass and um but I would say, I mean, looking back, I was never too religious per se. I was more about my connection from my heart to God. And, um, and that's what kept me going. I also had questions since a young age regarding what these people were talking about, you know, regarding God. And because the God that I felt was truly unconditional. It wasn't like, well, if you do this then you got to heaven if you don't I is that not
0: the way that. it works no
1: i mean i don't know how it works okay i'm not gonna tell you but for me uh you know and i can tell you pete it source which is i call it source energy now because it's not a person it's not like god uh as a man or a woman or whatever it's just an energy it's an all creative energy That's what actually love is, is this connection, this uh, creation energy. Um, It just is. It doesn't have judgment. Period. And the full stop. (laughs) That's the end of the sentence. It does not have judgment. So I never understood. That's how I felt God in my heart as a kid. So I'm thinking, what are these people talking about? You know, Um, the best part was a, father father Manuel who was the the priest at my church who he adored me and my brother um because perhaps because we were so involved in church or maybe he saw something in me I don't know um he I would go to confession because that's what you're supposed to do in in the catholic church and I would go confess and he would say to me oh but what kind of sin can you have? I'm like, no, Father, you have to confess me. I have to confess, you know. He was so cute. He's like, I mean, I was eight or nine years old, you know. And so I would just tell him, well, I, I fought with my brother and or I had this feeling, you know, or okay, go pray a Hail Mary and to our father, whatever it was. But he was so cute. He's like, what kind of sins can you have? <laughs> So I, I had the good fortune of having a very good, you know, down to earth priest. He wasn't extremely religious, you know, he, or obtuse in his faith. And that was nice. That was very nice. He would come to our house for dinners and stuff. And so, um, but now I don't, uh, I don't shy away from talking about God per se, just because, you know, some people see it in a more religious way, mm. um, but I do have an acceptance of there's not one truth, you know, just because somebody may be Buddhist or Muslim or atheist. Oh, yeah, I said it. Um, that doesn't mean that they're not connecting to a higher power. Sure. Everybody is in, a, in their own journey. And I have the utmost respect for not only other people's journeys, but also understanding that I don't know what your journey is about. Hmm. And I cannot pretend to know or presume that I know that would be completely uh, arrogant on my part and not very loving, to be honest with you. So who am I to judge? Who am I to judge anybody? You know, we're here to have an experience and we all go back to source. Source is what created us and is, it's there, whether it's negative or positive, evil or not evil. I mean, it just doesn't matter the definitions that as, as humans we attribute to things or experiences or people or religions, the path, it doesn't matter. It's like, everybody's gonna find what they need to find and go through what they need to go through. I, I'm nobody to judge that, mm. you know? I do understand that, that I don't understand you know that's the best way to put it
0: do you um i mean in terms then i suppose of the the energy alignment then you know, whilst you can never sort of live in someone's shoes per se um uh, you know do you pick up on the the symptoms if you like you know of of the causation of what maybe has happened is that is that when you talk about energy alignment is that what you're feeling
1: yes so everything has um And I'll try to put all this in like as concrete terms as possible. So everything has a consciousness, even a chair. And just like what I was doing when I was little, that I would just look at nature and just feel into nature, or what I was doing as a teacher that just feel into the the kids to see what they need. Well, this is like exponentially, like, that's what it is, but like even, even stronger or deeper. So I can tune into a person and, sense or see or know things about the person that needs to be back brought back into alignment and that can be anything from if they experienced a trauma uh, like i had a uh, people that had had cancer or um or sexual abuse or, I mean, all kinds of things or growing up with an alcoholic parent. I mean, any kind of trauma, it doesn't have to be that big. Those are big examples, but it can be small. Like, you know, I always felt inferior to my older brother because he got all the accolades. And I always felt like like that's a trauma, you know for a little kid. Um, So it can be also um, what I perceive or sense. Uh, It could be related to the physical body, such as like your liver needs to be detoxed or, you know, or your eyes, this or your whatever it is, your skin, this or or you have this back pain because it's trying to talk to you and tell you this. And this is how you release it. Um, Or it could also be um, emotional or it could also be in our kind of like our, our etheric body or spiritual body. Uh, so it's all interconnected, and many people now are. Thank God, they're like it's becoming a broader uh, awareness of what Reiki is, and and the, the the energy centers and how we have, you know, all these energy centers that they are supposed to be in alignment and and spinning right to to work properly within the the body. And when they're off, then it. Makes everything out of out of whack, right? So, for example, if if my energy, my throat energy center is is blocked, because for example, I grew up in an abusive household and I never voiced what I want, or forget about the abusive household. I just like I don't I don't um, honor myself and respect myself enough to say what I want to say, or ask for what I want. It could be in silly things like you know I want you cooked for me and you're like, how is it? Oh, it's great, but it needs more salt. In my mind, I want to ask for salt, but I'm not asking. Even stuff like that will start to block a specific energy center. So then if my throat is blocked, then it's going to block my sense of self, my solar plexus. You know, it may block my intuition because if if I don't have a voice, why am I going to listen? Like I'm not in touch with, you know, any other voices. So It just throws off the alignment in in the entire person and of course some energy centers are more you know some in in everybody are not all of them are you know messed up or closed up or anything but so some people may have heart chakra issues and some people may have like the throat chakra or the sacral chakra you know so yeah
0: then when you talk about you know the, the sort of the heart activator side of what you do Is that a continuation of the energy and the flow through the heart as such? Or or how does that come into play?
1: Yes, many times. And the reason why I put that in my website is because when I, so I use source energy and I'm also a Reiki master and quantum healer, but like the best way for me to explain what I do is I channel, like I am a channel, yeah, like a a messenger, like a channeler of source energy. And I'm able to, to, to throw, I almost say throw, yeah, I'm able to throw that energy onto people and just uh, have that energy go through the person. And as it goes through, it starts to put things back into alignment and whatever needs healing, it gets healed. Um, and um, you were talking about the heart. Many times, I, and like nine out of 10 people it's the heart that gets super activated and I see the bright light, you know, healing the person. Why? Because as sensory beings that we are, the heart is this beautiful organ that, what does it do? It pumps blood, right? Like it closes and opens and closes, opens and closes. It's almost like the essence of what the heart is, is like it opens and closes all the time. But because we get, we get traumatized, or we get sad, or we get angry, or whatever it is, and we don't know how to digest our emotions, then we close up our hearts, and they stay close. And a closed heart, it just takes us away from actually living the life that we could be living. So a lot of what I do is I help people open that heart again, so they can be free within their own spirit you know, and live from a heart centered place so they can be quiet and listen to the voice and take action, right? And be inspired, which we cannot do when our hearts are, are blocked or guarded. Oh my goodness, yeah. And I see, this is the fun part is like I see sometimes, most of the times I see what the heart looks like. I'll see a lock or I'll see a, you know, a wall around it or I'll see or I, I will feel too, like I feel sadness, or I, I'll feel anger or fear, whatever it is the person, you know, feels, I can feel that too. And in that validation, where I can tell you, I see you, and I don't judge you, I love you, I'm holding this space, and you've got this. And in that also the healing happens. It takes place in the, um, what's the word? like I am presencing, is that the word? I am observing your your suffering mm-hmm. in such a neutral way that it also helps you heal. So it's beautiful. It's, it's really, it speaks of how connected we are as human beings, that when we come together, um, miracles happen. And that's how I see it. That's why I don't feel like you know, even though I'm the one to channel in the energy, it doesn't matter. It's like another person does it for me. Like we we're all equal. We're all in this together. I
0: actually find myself slightly breathless as, as you talk. There. I don't know why I'm sort of almost holding my breath. It's, <laughs> it's bizarre. It's yeah, I love that. I love that, that depth of connection. It's, you know, it's something else. I, yes. I want to be quite respectful of your time here, really, I suppose, but, Well what does fire in the belly mean to you?
1: What is what? I'm sorry.
0: Fire in the belly. What does it mean to you? Oh
1: yes, fire in the belly. I love first of all, I love fire, maybe because I'm a Leo, I'm a fire sign. (laughs) Fire in the belly, it is really that witnessing was the word I was looking. Witnessing another human being. For me, it just is when everything falls into place is when I can see the way I was created for what I was created and giving of myself for somebody else. There's nothing. Nothing better than that other than ice cream. But
0: (laughs) what's your what's your go to on the ice cream?
1: (laughs) Those to the leche, of course.
0: Love it. That's always a question I love to ask. What's your guilty pleasure? And generally, it's chocolate or ice cream. So you're. you're oh yes,
1: you're but still... I'm no guilt here, Pete. No, no guilt here.
0: Your your pleasure then. Your your leisure and pleasure. It's. Uh... <laughs> oh, but
1: beautiful. you know, and I always tell Danny. I said, um, when I when I'm in that space where I can, I can hold that space for somebody to, to heal and let go. It's like. I mean, I just love it. I just love to be able to be that one person that just comes into your life and loves you no matter what. And, you know, I call myself a temporary friend, like you can just call me, I'll do, we'll do the alignment and off you go, you know, to a better life. And so I just love that, you know, I I, I live for those moments. And it is related to my other experiences, you know, that moment when I would see a kid's face, like, feel accepted by me or loved by me you know I never forget this one student that came that used to come to lunch to my classroom my classroom was always full of students even the ones that I didn't even they were not in my classroom Um, and she would come and I'm like why don't you go go have lunch with your friends you know go have fun she's like no I like to be here you feel good I'm like excuse me And she's like you your energy feels good and that was like also like the beginning of me going like, oh, like energy, what you know? And I started to continue to ask myself more and more like we we are feelers, we're all sensory beings, and as long as we continue to shut down, we're never going to be able to live full lives because we are in this human body, and it's a, it's such a beautiful gift, creation. If we were all to stop a little bit more. And contemplate nature, you know, and just be quiet and and feel the energy of nature and look at it and how vast and diverse and just perfect it is, we would have a different appreciation for life and for the gift that life is. And so if it is a gift and we're here, why not be fully here, you know, And, Mm. and we don't have to do it alone. As a matter of fact, I have tried to do it alone, and it just only produced a lot of pain. So, you know, I humbled myself, and I, I put my pride in, a, in the coffee table, and, and I asked for help. And people are ready to help and love you. The right people will just come into your life, say the right thing, help you in the right way, call you at the right moment. It's, it's miraculous. And, and that's the life we're all meant to live.
0: What's the one thing that you you would like everyone to hear or to do or to get? What's, What's that one thing?
1: I would say, despite how down you may be, have the courage to hold on to that glimpse of hope and trust and reach out because reach out for help so that you can get out of that hole. You're not meant to be in that hole forever. And the life that you could be living that is yours to live, that is your sacred gift, It's—it's it's wants you a thousand times more. This is not because I want to say it. This is my experience. Mm. This is what I am going through.
0: It's amazing. I just, yeah, know your gift or listen to your gift. It's yes. beautiful. Beautiful.
1: The message I received in 2013 was to trust in the power of your heart. And it's a message that I continue to embrace and dive deeper and deeper, more intimately uh, because I had no idea what it means to trust, what it is, the power that it has what it is to live a, a heart-centered life. I wanted it, but I, I didn't know what it, what, what it takes and, and what it actually means. Mm. And as I continue to develop this trust in my own heart, I see the miracles and I see the joy that it brings me in the simplicity of, of the experiences that I, that I have.
0: Find it fascinating because when you when you talk about teaching, you use visual language, and yet when you talk about so the healing side and you know the energy side, you talk very much about kinesthetic language, the feeling side. Yes, it's, it's just a different use of language completely.
1: I never, I never saw that in myself. Thank you.
0: <laughs> yeah, and no, it's just it's fascinating because you almost know which part what what you're talking about because you change, <laughs> um, yeah, they change the senses, so it's just it's just interesting. Yes. Oh well. That is a good
1: point. That's a great point that I would love to actually add on because often when we hear some people, when they hear people like myself, oh, trust in the power of your heart and you know what is what does it mean to love and blah blah blah, they think that it negates the use of our brain. But our brains are amazing. They're amazing computers, you know, and machines. So it doesn't negate that. Just like you can see when when I'm tuning into what you know it's it's all useful there's no wasted material here <laughs> as human beings so in in no way it means to negate the brilliance of the mind because the mind can actually create also and it can help us connect to source this is the mind is how i actually i receive a lot of messages for people and you know connect to to different um, spirit guides and angels and stuff like that but the heart is kind of like the the captain in the ship you know mm.
0: i mean would you would you classify yourself as you know would you be a medium or psychic would you be any of those as well
1: i i am a medium because mm-hmm. i can i can talk to spirits i can talk yeah i'm a channeler because i can tell you what they're saying i don't really get hung up on stuff i don't really predict the future that much mm. Um, but yeah, I would say like I'm a I'm a medium, a channeler.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yes. I have a lot of questions, but I, I want to be respectful of your time. You know, listen, it's been it's been beautiful having you on. So thank you for for sharing that and thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank um, you so much. Just so people can reach out to you and, and they can follow you on your website. It's uh Anna Laurel uh Anna Laura
1: Yes. Yes, it's very simple. <laughs>
0: yes, that's, that's always good. If I, if I pronounced it right, it's a good start as well, you know. So that's great. So, uh, you know, and people really that can, can follow you and, and reach out and learn more. So, Anna, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much, Pete. So, so much. It was a lovely conversation.
0: Well, that was another great episode of Fire in the Belly. But you know, this really wouldn't be possible without our great guest taking the time to share their personal journeys. And by the way sometimes it is personal. It's an absolute pleasure to have that and then to hear the journeys that people have been on. We've loads more episodes coming up soon and it's always a pleasure to have guests on. If you do happen to know anyone with true fire in their belly, please reach out to us so we can share their journey, lessons and successes. So all that's left to say is have a great day, live with fire in your belly and be the mightiest version of you.